And good morning. Thank you for tuning in today. It is Thursday, and if you haven't already heard, Thursdays on the Lowdown is now being reserved as a mental health show. We had counselors in from Canna, Providence, and the Community Health Center last week to give you some of their insight into how to deal with what's happening. And we'll be following that up today with another group of specialists from the base, from Canna, and from the Kodiak Community Health Center. They're here for you, so please, if you have questions, give us a call or shoot us an email at lowdown at kmxt.org, and we'll try and get your question answered during the show. You can also send in a suggestion on what kind of mental health show you'd like to hear in coming weeks. We have a lot of ideas brewing, and there's a lot of topics that will fall under mental health, so if you have ideas, please send us an email, things that you think would maybe help people out. Today, in for the conference, we have Montu Janney, a licensed counselor from Kodiak Community Health Center, Samantha Marler Enbaum, from, uh, a licensed counselor from Canna, and Kate Murphy, the licensed counselor out at the U.S. Coast Guard Base. Good morning, all of you. Thank you for being here this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's just kind of start it off with you, Montu. You're the first one on the top of the list here on where I could see. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself, tell folks what you do and um, how you're, what, what you do in your position. Sure. Um, good morning. My name is Montu Johnny. I work at the Kodiak Community Health Center. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor. Uh, so myself and my colleague, Heidi McNerney, we are the behavioral health team at the Kodiak Community Health Center. We sort of, you know, work with everybody in the community provide mental health support um so there's there's two of you on staff there yeah there's two of us on staff okay um caseload how big is your caseload caseload you know just sort of goes with it's an ebb and flow um now we we are seeing sort of an increase you know with everything going on with COVID 19 and a lot of anxiety so i would say the caseload is you know getting up there the the usual clients that come into your office then are are walk-ins or previous already clients of the community health center or are you seeing a new group of people so how we generally you know see clients um you know our providers will you know put in a referral but you know now with everything changing i know at the kodia community health center we're doing a lot of zoom and telephone visits so we are getting you know new calls that come in um, anybody in the community can call 481-5000 to get a hold of us. And, you know, we treat the body and the mind. So we linked up with a provider and just that whole, you know, the whole wellness. So processing wise, how, if somebody is, is having issues and they wind up saying, oh, I'm going to call the community health center, you, they probably go through an intake process and eventually you're, you're either seen by a counselor or given a recommendation to maybe go someplace else. Correct. Um, so if let's say somebody calls in and, you know, they're experiencing severe anxiety, um, they just call in that number 4815000 they'll get someone on the phone right away. And more than likely, they're going to be, you know, um, right away sent to either myself or my colleague so we can help them, you know, process through what they're going through or help them, you know, find appropriate resources in the community. So are you also the go-to guy for the staff that work at Kodiak Community Health Center? Do you provide them service as well? We do. Um, so at the community center, um, we are trying to support, you know, all our staff, 
You know, we are accessible to them. We provide them with resources, coping skills, um, and just weekly like to sort of check in with all our staff to make sure they're doing okay. So in are you seeing an increase in demand for services from inside the 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 organization itself as well now? I think when it comes like inside of the organization, I think right now I'm not really seeing that much of a demand. I know, you know, our staff know how to reach out to us when they need. Okay. Okay, let's go to you, Kate. What's uh you you're working out there at the base? Yes, I also, um, I work as the family advocacy specialist, and what my job is, is I um, offer behavioral techniques, so a lot of life skills stuff. I work with people that are um, voluntarily coming in to see me. I also work with um, the Office of Children's Services and other agencies for people that have mandated services that are either active duty or retired military. And so my primary focus is domestic violence, child abuse or neglect, as well as sexual assault within the marriage. Um, I have a lot of cases that are not mandated. I do offer, um, uh, courses and different kinds of groups. I do offer an anger management, a healthy relationship in your child's future, which is based on the ACE study, um, basically saying that when there's a lot of discord, a lot of conflict in the home, that it really affects children, and they actually can suffer um, not only uh, mental health concerns later in life, but also health, health issues that are directly related to chaos when they were children. Um, and then uh, I also offer a domestic violence intervention group, both for men and women. And then I offer active parenting. And so I do a lot of marital counseling, and a lot of um, a lot of my counseling is to deal with uh, behavioral issues with children, and what can the parents do to extinguish uh, undesirable behaviors that their children have. Okay, since I also but, but since we're talking since we're talking specifically about COVID in the general community. I mean, that's kind of what the show is about. Um how many counselors are out on the base now being able to offer services to the people who work out there? I am the only person um, on the base uh, until about a month ago. I was the only person in District D-17, which is all of Alaska. Uh, right now I have a cohort that is over in Ketchikan who's taking care of uh, eastern Alaska. So you're a one-stop so, shop. So if there are, if there are uh, behavioral issues, if somebody needs counseling on the base, you're it. Pretty much, uh, we do. I do refer out through the EAPC for people that have um, uh, a diagnosis. Maybe you know, maybe they're dealing with bipolar disorder or something. Because uh, we, I'm not deep enough. One person is not deep enough to handle behavioral issues as well as long-term counseling with with a mental health diagnosis. So. Okay. We, we gently do nice, warm handoff. Okay. But in, in response to the anxiety that exists 
in society? Is, is there, are you seeing an increase in the amount of people requesting your services now on the base because of the COVID pandemic? Yes. Are, how are you able to deal with the load? Well, you know, we do, I do some groups. Um, we do things. We can use our TCON numbers. We can uh, use um, VPN. We can do certain kinds of things that, that bring people together. Um, I can, uh, just like what we're doing today where people have a lot of questions or answers, sometimes I will actually do a little uh, video for the command that they can show because you figure um, many of my um, potential uh, clients are people on a boat somewhere, and so I can send those out. Um, I also do like a telephone question-answer thing on the boats that run through the command. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about Canna. Samantha, how, how are things going at Hannah? Or what, what what do you what do you do at Canna? How is Canna structured for uh, for counseling services? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, we. I, so I'm Samantha, and I am the behavioral health consultant. I'm usually at Mill Bay Health Center. So I'm a licensed professional counselor, but right now I'm working as what's called a behavioral health consultant, a BHC. So I work right in the medical clinic, right on a care team with um, some specific providers and support staff. And I get my uh, patient load through the providers. So I'm there to help the providers provide um, more robust services to their patient panel. And so a lot of that comes through warm handoffs. So say, you know, you come into the doctor, you're having a hard time with sleep. Um, Dr. Jones, I work with Even Jones, who I know has been on here a whole lot. And I work with um, Greg Walter, who's a family nurse practitioner, and they would come and get me right as part of a medical appointment, and I'd come in, I'd collect some contextual information about you and your life and what's going on, come up with a target problem, and then try to come up with a plan to help with sleep if that was the target problem, whatever whatever it is to kind of help you do some things to change, change your behaviors, add some coping skills, get some more education about it so you hopefully start feeling better sooner rather than later. Okay. So that's, that's my position. Um, very rewarding, very busy. Sometimes we have multiple people waiting for us at the same time. Um, and we have three behavioral health consultants on our team currently. We have a great team across the two clinics. And then Canna, of course, also has specialty behavioral health. And so that's the kind of regular counseling that you might think of. You go in every week, every other week, 50 minutes to an hour. You're in an office. You talk more extensively about and more deeply about um, issues, have a longer treatment plan, that kind of thing. And then we also have our substance use disorders uh, clinic that helps um, with, of course, substance use disorders, but anger management, batters intervention. We have a lot of intensive outpatient groups, outpatient groups, one-on-one -on -one counseling. So we have a, a lot of different services at Canna. So how, how many uh, therapists, counselors do you have then? Well, it sounds like you have six or seven. Goodness, yeah, we have, um, I would say we have six or seven specialty behavioral health clinicians and three BHCs. And then in our 
I never get to see most of these folks, honestly, so <laughs> I can I can start thinking of names of people that like three or four in the um, substance use department, and then we also have our Parenting with Love and Limits program, which is a different format of therapy that is for more family interventions, and we have one clinician doing that with a, with a great case manager that helps out with that as well. And, and so have, have you seen an uptick in the amount of warm handoffs to you in the last couple of weeks? Well, you know, it's some, some days it is, and some days it's about the same, but we're under a lot of uh, flux and change. And so, you know, now I'm working from home and I'm doing things over the phone and over video platform. And, and so our providers have also changed. We've changed clinics. We're being really proactive with our response to COVID-19. And, and so with those workflow changes comes uh, differences in how many patients are being seen. And, and some, some people are just not coming into the, you know, the clinic as, as much as they, they have been. So some days it's really busy and some days it's, it's a little bit more flat. And as the community adjusts and as we continue to hunker down, those things uh, change. So it really depends on the day. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I mean, um, it has to be a whole new world for you folks trying to deal with people um, via teleconference. How, how is it working out? You know, I would say, um, at least for me, it's it's been surprisingly going going well. And I say surprising because we think in any behavioral health field, you know, it's much much better to have that face-to-face -face contact, be in the same room, get to see body language and whatnot. But there, there are also some advantages to doing things over the phone or doing things over video. And sometimes, especially over the phone, people are more apt to share more freely. They don't feel as uncomfortable um, as, if, as if you were face-to-face. -face. And so sometimes folks who would normally not want to have services with a BHC will, will speak to a BHC and speak to a BHC for, for longer. Um, I'd say where some of the difficulty might come in is if, you know, as it goes, we have connectivity issues, which have been pretty infrequent, honestly, for, for the number of people that we're seeing distance-wise. Um, what, what kind of services? I mean, it, it, if you were going to recommend to the community as a whole, you know, if, if somebody is feeling like they need or someone that they know needs services, where would you recommend that they go to? Well, for me, you know, what I would recommend anyone in the community is if you are in need of services or you have questions about services, get in contact, you know, with any organization. And I know at the Kodea Community Health Center, we have case managers that take, you know, that legwork, that take the searching, that take, you know, all that work out of it and even just having a conversation with them can give you a whole access to a, a like a wide variety of resources. So that's what I would tell people in the community, reach out and, you know, link up with a case manager. Kate. Uh, I would agree. This is Kate Murphy. Oh, go ahead, Samantha. <laughs> I was just saying, I would agree with, with Montu. I don't think there's, any wrong way to reach out and get and to get services. So for, for my specific position, you know, you would access me by going through your primary care provider because we're we're providing that type of 
you know, wraparound care, but you could just call in to our front desk. You can call into the community support line. You can call into KCHC. Like really, I think right now the whole entire community across the board, we just want to support you. There's not going to be a wrong way in and we'll get you to the right place if it's not us. Well, Kate, how about people at the base? I mean, what, what's the general recommendation to somebody at the base? Do they go look for base services? Do they um, look for a service online? Are there, you know, there must be church support groups. There's, there's probably a zillion different places you can go, right? Right. And the main thing is we have a wonderful um, EAPC, Jody Carmen, who's been in the community forever, a retired coach. Coast Guard swimmer, and uh, basically she gets a lot of calls because she is fantastic at the referrals and where to go. We have our clinic, the Rockmore Clinic. Can I bug you for just a second? What is an EAP? An EAPC is an Employee Assistance Program Coordinator. Okay. And so what she's doing is uh, listening to what they're wanting and then getting them to the place without making other calls. So the base is pretty good about that. Most of the commanders refer to the EAPC to get those calls routed correctly. Uh, we have the Rockmore Clinic out there, so of course they can talk to their provider to find out what else is available. And mo- a lot of people ask their direct supervisor, and they'll say, um, you know, this is the person that handles that uh, or call Jody is kind of how it works. So um, we're, we're really good about having a, a really strong support system. If the person's asking the question at the child development center, they refer them over to us, over to me, I should say. So um, I think there's a lot of places. I don't think they have to go more than, uh, the first phone call, and then whoever they're directed to. There, um, for the for an individual themselves, I guess. Then there's there's all the resources in the world. The big question would be, you know, how do you how do you know that it's 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 gone beyond normal? You know what I mean? How, everybody to a certain degree is experiencing some degree of displacement and anxiety now but how do you know that you know this needs an intervention of some point that you need to have professional services to deal with somebody that's that's gone over the line i think that is a good question um my first tip is don't wait don't wait um until it's too late or you know it it escalates and then you're reaching out for help i think at sort of signs to look out for. I know, you know, for me personally, the red flag signs are sleep. You know, um, if your sleep is being impacted multiple days in a night, if you're losing, you know, appetite, loss of interest um, in sort of hobbies, activities, and just, you know, various ups and downs of moods, I would say reach out. I would say call. Um, seek help. Seek coping skills before it gets to that point where it's, you know, where it's too late. So don't wait, reach out. Sam, what would what, be? I think I also think about increased irritability where things that didn't used to bother you all of a sudden are bothering you when, when uh, 
one thing that's bothering you can bleeds over into other areas of your life. So if it's really frustrating for you to be working from home and then all of a sudden now you're yelling at your kids because they're distracting you from working at home, that's a time to seek, seek uh, what do I do? How do I manage this? Not wait until, uh, I think Montu said it perfectly, not wait until it's escalated to the point where it's become a, at crisis level. Samantha? And I would say, too, really, um, there is no line. There's no line that you have to cross. If you have questions, if you're curious about being kind of proactive and how you can take care of yourself, you know, reach out. We're, we're here for all of that. I do a lot of preventative care in, in my job as well. So you don't have to worry about it. No. Call us. <laughs> as a group of professionals, you probably, you know, are constantly reading new materials um, and trying to keep up to date with this. Is there something that we're supposed to be looking out for or you would have to be looking out for that's directly COVID-related? You know, are there certain um, disorders that are going to become more prevalent now? I think when it comes to sort of mental health disorders, um, surrounding COVID and 19, I think definitely we might see, you know, potentially a spike in anxiety, you know, depression or PTSD. Well, I know that in past epidemics, there's all there, there's always been a concern about domestic violence. I was just, and, and, and that's something, I mean, other, other folks have already talked about, but beside that, are, are we, um, is there anything specific that we think those kind of behaviors are going to tend to increase? I think they do as well as possible child abuse or child neglect increase. I think people learning to take a time out correctly would be really, really useful to slow that down. Um, I think the, a timeout is to make aware of the people that you're, you need some space for you. It is nothing to do with them, that you still love them, but you need to get away for a few minutes, kind of give them an idea of how long you're going to be gone and that, you'll, that you will be back. I think a lot of people throw up their hands and say, you know, I'm out of here when the um, anxiety or tension gets too high and the other person, you know, takes that weight believing they've done that they're at fault or they're to blame or something like that. When in all reality, taking a time out is just a way to take care of ourselves so we don't say or do something that is harmful to the people we love the most. And to teach your children that and then allow them to also take a time out um, that they, they also need their private time or space. And that's something that's kind of missing when you're in this, um, uh, when you're in seclusion like this, that you have a, you know, maybe you rarely were all home except to sleep in the house at the same time. And now you're there 24 seven. And I think that does escalate the opportunity for 
some sort of a violation or abuse to occur, whether it be between the couple or I know that I'm, my job has, I've increased because people are, uh, marriages are definitely affected, I think, um, because they're fighting, the kids are fighting. And then that causes the folks to fight because maybe they have different parenting styles. So, yes, I see this as a COVID-19 escalating those issues. And um, we can, you know, time out as one tiny skill. Please contact your other community providers or if you're in the Coast Guard, contact me and we'll come up with some plans to help de-escalate the stressors of being together for long periods of time. Sam, anything you'd like to add? I think uh, Montu and Kate both bring up some wonderful, wonderful points. And I, I think, I think too, if, if we're already experiencing some sort of underlying mental health condition or concern, it's, it's sort of the same thing where if, if you have a, a physical health concern, you're more apt and more susceptible if, if you do get COVID-19, you know, to have more complications. And it's, it's a little bit of the same thing as if, if you're already experiencing some mental health stress and, and disorders, you're going to be more apt to have your symptoms heighten and you're going to be, because we're all under more stress, we're all under more worry. There's not going to be a single person who kind of escapes this. The, the world, um, the country, and our community, we're all in a period of, of crisis in, in some ways. And so what we can expect is to feel more on edge and to maybe have some different symptoms, either mental or physical. And I think that's something else to bring up is a lot of the, the times our worry and our fear and our stress is going to manifest itself as physical symptoms. So you might have more muscle aches and more, have uh, more tension, you might have headaches, stomach aches, different gastrointestinal stuff. You definitely always want to get um, checked out by your medical provider but also those are good signs to know that it might be time to take some breaks and do some things that are helpful for your stress. And everybody has different things that they go to, or we can also provide ideas of, of things to go to. And we've mentioned it a little bit, I think, before already, but taking breaks, and that can be inside uh, or it can be outside, even just going outside for five minutes, changing your your viewpoint, literally getting a different temperature on your skin, getting some light on your skin, all those things can kind of help to reset our nervous system and help us to regulate and de-stress. Okay, so there's there's tons of resources out there available. If they're not going to call your clinic direct, directly to get services from them, um, I know that there's this Kodiak support team that some of you may actually be linked to, right? Um where there's a, a helpline, uh, 486-7656, that gets them to a provider, right? But we've already had these, um, like, teen helplines in place. I know probably most of the churches in town have some sort of counseling services uh, that, that are part of what the business that they do. Um, besides, so so for an individual seeking help there seems to be a lot of resources out there right yeah i would say there are plenty of resources out there that are accessible and available and even if this individual you know is not insured there are still services out there that they could seek and utilize for support whether it's medical or behavioral health 
Okay, so let's go in. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say one of the things that I offer is sometimes people are a little shy or maybe even feeling embarrassed that they really don't know how to handle a certain situation. I've taken many a phone call. I They're anonymous. Uh, I would prefer to be able to do prevention with if I don't even know their identity versus not do the prevention stuff. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how that works with uh, Tanner, if they can take anonymous calls or questions without the person identifying. Because some people are feeling very uncomfortable that they don't have all the answers. And so those um, that's always an option on base. Okay. Now let's go into a situation where you're not taking care of yourself. You're you're intervening on behalf of someone else, and two distinct groups. You know, one is um, a family member or a friend that you see <coughs> um, you see changes in that that make you concerned. Uh, how do you effectively intervene in that situation to get him hooked, get them hooked up with somebody to give them some help, or what can they do? Um, to improve the situation. I think one of the the best things that that anybody you know can do because this is sort of what we think of in primary care too. We take things in in steps, and so you know a first step, a first line of of defense is giving that person some sort of support, making yourself available just to listen. It's not your job to solve things. It's not your job to fix anything but just being a listening ear for them is, is possibly a first step. And sometimes when we provide support and we get support ourselves, some of these first steps actually make it so we don't have to follow some of those later steps of getting professional help and whatnot, the more we can do to take care of ourselves on the onset. But that is something that somebody could do for a, a friend or a family member. That being said, it's also not your responsibility to be their 100% caregiver. It's okay for you to also reach out for help um, if you don't know what to do for them. I, I agree with Samantha. I mean, she summed up some good points. Um, definitely, you know, making yourself accessible to family members or friends. Um, you know, check-ins, I think, are such an important tool, too. Um, checking in with our family members, checking in with friends, because everybody, you know, with this pandemic is going through some sort of a change. So I think checking in, um, like Samantha mentioned, you know, if you need help with what to do, definitely, you know, reach out to different organizations, you know, ask for support and how you can support um, your family members or loved ones. Um, that's one thing I do at, you know, the Cootie Community Health Center, you know, we often get calls, you know, my son who lives, you know, in a different place or daughter or, mother, father, you know, they're going through A, B, and C. And so then, you know, we will sort of sit together, brainstorm, you know, how to get them support, how to, you know, even encourage them to reach out and call. So providing that, you know, primary caretaker or whoever is calling with the resources that are available. I think the caregivers need to understand that you don't have to, and I think Samantha and Montu have touched on it, too, that they don't have to be the end-all. I mean, there are agencies, um, 
in on Kodiak that are offering to go pick up medications, to go get groceries, to do this or that, whatever's needed. And I think for the caregiver not to feel guilty to go ahead and take their half-hour walk in, in sunshine or get some fresh air while someone else does the grocery shopping or goes over and picks up the medication. Um, it's not abuse. It's, it's a way to keep you functioning and healthy for your loved one that needs the care. This sounds a lot like um, the the group that exists that has um, family members that are serving, you know, suffering from drug and alcohol abuse. Um, so I, I guess that there's support for that group of people. The specific question is is more: How do you intervene on the part of a person that you know needs? How do you get somebody in treatment that you know? probably needs to have treatment, um, not just to help yourself, but to help that other person. You know, we don't really have a legal mechanism to do that, do we? It, I mean, it really depends on the, the situation at, at hand. And if somebody is you know, in a crisis to the point where, where they're not safe and they might hurt themselves or they might hurt someone else, then there are legal mechanisms for that. But if you're referring to, you know, um, somebody's having, having a really hard time, you're, you're worried about them, you really want them to get, get help, and a lot of times this, this does connect into folks who might have substance use disorders. And, and there's things that you can do, like, like we said, but it really is so dependent on the situation. I think that would be a great thing to call in and talk with somebody more about. And it's just an unfortunate thing. At the end of the day, if somebody doesn't want to get help, you can't make them get help. You can try to support them. You can give them, um, let them know what the resources are. You can let them know the impact of, of their suffering on you but we, you can't force somebody into treatment um, under most circumstances. That's <clears throat> the specific question I got was about a, uh, a person that uh, was, knows about an adult suffering from severe, severe depression that will not see a counselor. How do, you, how do you intervene in that situation and get them to see a counselor? And what you're saying is other than give them information, there's nothing you can do. If they're attempting to harm themselves or if they've made statements about harming someone else, those those two situations can be reported. Then there is a mechanism put in place where they can be um, evaluated to find out, you know, what's going on. If they and then sometimes, according. Uh, to the system that's in place, uh, that person may be asked to stay longer than the evaluation time. Right. And, and you know, again, um, there are psychiatric hospitals that are locked um, that those individuals are treatment centers that they may go to. But, um, again, we're adults. You know, it's not great to eat a bunch of sugar, but some people choose to do it. And um, there's nothing that their physician can do to, to stop them, even though he's 
asked them numerous times because he's worried about their health. So it's no different with mental health than it is for the physical body since it's all attached. Yeah, I agree. I think Samantha and Kate, you know, summed it up perfectly. Um, I think definitely, you know, what I would add is encourage, continue encouraging, continue reaching out and be honest with that person um, about, you know, what you're noticing with their behaviors and, you know, just that you're there for them and those resources that they do have access to. Great. Okay, let's move on to kids. And you you know? can, um, Go ahead, Samantha. Oh, one more thing I wanted to add, add, Mike, is just if you can encourage that person, come in and talk to their medical provider. We have wonderful medical providers on this island, and, and they are helping people with mental health and severe mental health disorders all the time who will not go into counseling. And so that's also always another resource is, is to have them talk with their, with their doctor. Their medical provider, their doctor can also help give education about why it might be helpful to, to do counseling. They could get them hooked up with a behavioral health consultant to do some brief things right in the exam room. So that's also a very good step to take. Okay. So you should get support for yourself to try and help yourself through the situation and then try and support the other person. Um, a lot of issues about children, children's behavior. They're in a whole new world as well. Are, are we seeing an increase in the amount of um, amount of requests for services for children so far? I am. Um, so at the Cody Community Health Center, you know, we are getting a lot of calls um, from parents. You know, children are adjusting. The families are adjusting to this COVID nineteen changes. Uh, one of the biggest things that you know I get asked. Or, you know, how do I talk to my child about COVID-19? And I think that's important. I think, you know, as parents and families, we should keep children informed, you know, talk to them about COVID-19 in a calm, honest way. I think when it comes to sort of questions sort of geared towards children, it depends on the age level. I think for older kids, you know, you might ask, like, what are you hearing about, you know, coronavirus? What questions do you have? And I think for the younger children, um, questions along the line of, do you have questions about the new sickness that's going around? And I feel like that gives parents a chance to learn, you know, how much their kids know. And nowadays, it, it, kids probably know a lot more than we think. And to find out, you know, if they're hearing the right information versus wrong. I think that's important, too. And also just giving, you know, kids an outlet in the family to know, hey, if I'm worried, you know, I'm anxious, I can reach out to my parents because, you know, that conversation has been started. Great. We've seen a direct correlation of the level of anxiety in parents and then the misbehavior of children. So what I think the first place to start uh, is at the hierarchy and say, you know, reduce, demonstrate, reduce your own anxiety, parents, and that really, really, really helps your children because they're little sponges. They, they're reacting to the what they're feeling that the folks are going through. So when they see mom or dad a little more irritable, snappy, then they also forget their manners and become irritable and snappy. In other words, it's kind of like water always stays level. You don't have a 10-foot wave over here and a 3-foot wave over there. They're all 10-foot waves. And so if a parent is, is taking care of themselves and demonstrating, encouraging that child to go out and ride their bike, encouraging that child to, 
go out and let's see how many different kind you know and again I'm talking smaller cuz they're you know and they're and I think man too already covered with the older uh youth but you know let's go collect leaves let's see how many different kinds we can get let's see how many different animals we can spot um whatever doing a walk uh, you're doing that with your child they 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 deescalate from that anxiety that they're that they're feeling from you and you are too and I think that's a great place to start and then again always call somebody if there's if there's more stuff going on so how do we uh how do we effectively help kids cope with them missing their friends you know isn't that a big dynamic in the kids life I mean now they're doing everything by by a video conference is, are, are we seeing like acting out behaviors or you, uh, kids overstressed because of they're losing that social component? I think that's part of the the bigger picture of what what kids are facing. There's going to be probably a lot of different acting out and a lot of different stress behaviors happening right now, which you know are going to be pretty normal. Kids have been ripped away from school, from their routines, from their friends. And, and so one of the best things that we can do at home is, is to keep a routine for, for them. And part of that routine is going to need to be to have fun. And that could be like we were talking about, you know, if they're little getting outside and playing and, and doing some sort of educational projects if you're able to, like collecting the leaves and whatnot. But it, it could just be getting outside together every day as a family, um, going for a walk or a bike ride. It could be playing games at night, eating family dinners together. All those kinds of things will will help children feel more safe and feel like there's still some sort of routine and regularity in their life, which is really what they're needing in the midst of all this change. And one more thing, um, like that, I would like to add. Sort of, it's traumatizing for adults, for children, you know, in being in self isolation. Um, and I think in order to sort of protect children and families, I think it's you know families having this discussion with their children and teens about sort of the purpose, right? Like, what is the purpose of this self-isolation? And it's for the greater good. So I think if we sort of instill this sense of purpose in why we're doing it, I think that helps too. Um, But like, you know, Kate and Samantha both said, activities, right? Um, And even utilizing media. These days, you can get on YouTube, you know, do workouts, a lot of different websites. If you just Google, they're giving, you know, free access to museums online, concerts. So you could definitely find creative outlets. They're out there. Great. That just leads me right into the end of the show, which is your tips for people to try and stay sane and uh, make it through this thing with a, uh, you know, with a rosy outlook if they can. I guess my one tip I have um, to sort of ease fear and anxiety is we can't control the future. And with this pandemic, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, Control what we can. And what we can focus on is the present. Um, We can control how we respond to events, whether we choose to be positive or negative about them. Um, We can choose, you know, if how, you know, we have control over our inner world and regulating our emotions. And so practice these coping skills that are out there, like meditation, yoga, exercising, you know, eating healthy. Um, But there's plenty more out there too, that I think just reaching out to any clinician um, you can get. So if you did call 481-5000, you know, you can get those quick tips. 
Samantha? Um, I think there are also a number of resources. I love what we've all said so so far, and there's just so much more that we could say. We could probably talk on and on and on about um, a lot of these things. But there, there's some great resources out there for, for kids. And so you can, you know, Google things from the, the CDC, Google things from healthychildren.org, and there are a lot of COVID-specific tips out there on how to keep calm at home, how to keep structure, how to, you know, keep yourself feeling well. But I would say one of the main things that, that you know, you can do, too, is, is just kind of noticing what your mind is telling you about a situation and noticing your own thoughts. Um, and so, you know, it's hard. It's hard to do the social distancing thing. It's hard for our lives to have changed um, and stopped, basically, from, from the norm. So if I'm at home thinking, like, oh, man, I feel so isolated. I miss my team. I miss my clinic. This is really hard, blah, blah, blah. If I go down that road, my, my suffering is probably going to in, increase. If I can change my thinking a little bit to thinking more along the lines of, well, you know, this is hard, and I know this is going to be for only a period of time, but I might be saving somebody's life. This, I'm, I'm doing this for the community, and I'm, I'm grateful to, you know, still have a job. I'm grateful to be able to still help people. I'm grateful for whatever contribution. So it could be something like that. It's whatever works for you and altering your thought and kind of um, changing it to help you suffer less. Great. Kate? Basically, I see this as an adventure. You know, we go off with our families on for vacation. And if we can kind of think of this as this is a vacation from the regular year after year routine, going to school, coming home, doing this, doing that. This is an adventure. What can you, we're in a box, but what kind of cool things can you do while we're in the box? You know, can we do a picnic inside on Thursday night? Um, can we, hey, let's call grandma and find out what grandma used to do before they invented all these modern technologies. I mean, I can think of badminton and, and horseshoes and, you know, just tons of different, you know, maybe learning even how to throw if you've got older kids. Throwing a boomerang or something that doesn't require technology and how fun was it or how tough was it to build your skill. This is a vacation from normal routine I see this as an adventure, and I think we're all going to come out a little a little more creative than we started. I'm not sure this is the kind of vacation I'd want to go on on purpose, but we're here, so let's make the best of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matu Jani, licensed counselor from Kodiak Community Health Center. Samantha Marler Yenbaum from the Canna, licensed counselor from Canna, and Kate Murphy from the Coast Guard Base. Thank you all very much for uh, contributing this morning. I hope folks found it illuminating, as did I, and got some good tips on how to get through this thing. Uh, we'll be back again next Thursday with another edition of the Mental Health Version of the Lowdown. Thanks for tuning in today. Thank you all for showing up. Thank you for having me. Okay. Have Thank a good day. You. Have a good day.